Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, November 28, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. This is a little bit of an audible that we had to call here uh, on this episode today. Grace and I recorded the bulk of Today on Broadway uh, a little bit earlier in the evening because that's what we normally do. We get it ready to go out on Patreon at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then knowing that K-pop the musical was going to have its official press opening night on Sunday, my plan was to do a standard review recap episode later in the night because reviews normally come out between 9 and 10, maybe to 10.30 p.m. But as I was getting today on Broadway ready, I realized that because K-pop did things a little differently, the reviews were already out. They had pushed the press opening from last Sunday night to this Sunday night because of issues with COVID in in the company. So they wanted to make sure that all of the critics were able to get in and see the bulk of the main company. They did the party itself on Sunday the 20th and it officially opened on the 27th. So all of the reviews started to come out earlier in the evening. So I'm going to tack on what would have been the review roundup episode at the beginning of this episode, but there will be no standalone episode because we were able to get it all into one big episode. It'll be a little like the episodes normally are in the regular feed, um, and that'll be the same in the regular feed, but also it'll be the, the way we're doing it in the Patreon feed as well. As you likely know at this point, K-pop is a brand new musical that originally ran off-Broadway a few years ago in a fairly different construction of a show. It was done in more of an immersive environmental space in which the audience walked through different rooms of what essentially was a factory-making K-pop superstars. The show did finally come to Broadway and it is now playing at the Circle in the Square Theater. It was conceived by the Woodshed Collective and Jason Kim. Kim also wrote the book. The music and lyrics are by Helen Park and Max Vernon. It is directed by Teddy Bergman and choreographed by Jennifer Weber. In the cast is a whole host of both Broadway and actual K-pop stars, um, led by Luna, who is a K-pop star in her Broadway debut. I believe the character's name is Mui or Mui. Um, I remember Ashley Park talking about it when she played the part off-Broadway, but I, it, I'm not 100% sure. It's capital M, lowercase w, capital E. Um, There's a whole bunch of other folks uh, in the cast, uh, a really interesting uh, collection of talent and primarily, if not completely cast uh, of Asian and Asian American performers, which you always love to see. The official plot description reads thusly, packed with pulse-pounding new music and electrifying choreography, this original musical explores the relentless discipline, raw talent, and commercial ambition behind the international sensation. As global superstars put everything on the line for a special one-night-only concert, they face struggles both cultural and personal that threaten to dismantle one of the industry's hottest labels. Featuring a cast of K-pop and musical theater stars, it's a multimedia experience unlike anything else on Broadway. As of recording time, review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected nine reviews. Undoubtedly, there will be more to come. Um, But four of them were positive, four of them were mixed, and one of them was negative. Let's get into the reviews. The first one comes from Jesse Green of the New York Times, who was negative and not much of a surprise, I suppose. Although, uh, judging on the review, I think he probably liked it more off-Broadway. Talking about one of the moments that he enjoyed in the original production that is not able to be replicated in this one, he said, quote, In its remaking for Broadway, I wish K-pop had preserved more moments like that. Moments that allow you to consider what the excitement of K-pop, for those who feel it, in the expressiveness of American musical theater, likewise, can profitably say to each other. 
Both have their fans and no doubt their glories, as well as their limitations. But it seems to me that in introducing the two, a good place to have met would have been, well, halfway. K-pop still has far to go to get there. Juan Michael Porter II, writing for Did I Like It, was positive, saying, quote, Against all expectations for a behind-the-scenes musical drama, K-pop storytelling is as sophisticated as its high-octane performances. Britney Samuel for Broadway News, also positive, said, quote, There's an ecstatic, upbeat tempo to K-pop. 18 of the aforementioned 22-person ensemble makes their Broadway debut here, and even the worst of scripts, which she means literally, cannot stop them from having a good time. Tom Geyer for The Rap said, quote, Like the genre, it celebrates K-pop works best when you let yourself get caught up in the sensation of the music and the precision dance moves, and try not to think too deeply. A.D. Amorosi, writing for Variety, said, quote, K-pop, the genre, is as contagious and deeply human as it is cold and calculating. K-pop, the musical, understands that, bringing to Broadway a rousing portrait of the minutia of the industry from its personal struggles and vexing complexities to its infectious musicality. We'll end with uh, Joe Dominowitz writing for the New York Theatre Guide saying, quote, The production makes amazing use of Circle in the Square's thrust stage and boasts enough dazzle and energy to power up two Broadway shows. On the other hand, K-pop has scarcely enough compelling substance to sustain its own first act. The plot retraces numerous behind-the-scenes tales about the perils, prices, and, good luck, payoffs of showbiz. So it seems like there is a bit of a mix here, but everyone seems to agree that the strengths of the show are on the music and the performances and the dancing, and that the book itself is a little suspect. But as far as I'm concerned, generally the book is one of the last things I really care about in a musical. I mean, I want it all to be good, but if you're going to give me really good songs, really good performances, really good dancing, if you're going to have one thing be the downfall of that, especially in a musical where you might only get like two, three minutes of dialogue in between each song, I'll generally take it. All right, that's all we have for this review part of this. We're actually going to have more reviews at the top of Today on Broadway, since I know because we've already recorded it. So I will get you out of this section of the show and send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, November 28th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, and like I've been gone forever, Gray Saki. Yeah, it's it's been a minute for all of us, uh, let alone uh, you and me, Grace. But we are back yeah. and better than ever. Uh, I don't know. We are back after the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we hope that everyone had a wonderful holiday with their friends, family, and loved ones over the past week. We have been rocking nonstop here at Broadway Radio, whether we were doing Today on Broadway or not. I had four different special episodes happen last week, which you can go back and listen to uh, in the feed. The one highlight, of course, for me was the great Rupert Holmes singing my name to the tune of Escape oh. the Pina Colada song that came out last Monday. Um, I mean, highlight of my my nerdy life. Uh, but that one's in there. I have one more coming out that I didn't get to last week for reasons that will become semi-understandable uh, when you hear the episode, but that'll be coming out later today on Monday. That is about me seeing the parody musical that opened here in Central Florida of Hallmark oh. Christmas movies. Stop. It, it also involved oh. a fire alarm and intermission that required us to vacate the theater. So there's that. Uh, not related to the show, but happened during the show. Um, also, by the time you're hearing this, this week on Broadway will be out on all of our feeds in the episode 
Uh, Jenna Tessa Fox, Peter Felicia, James Marino, and, and Michael Portantier talked about a whole host of things, including Anne Juliet on Broadway, The Old Man right. in the Pool on Broadway, Sandra at the Vineyard Theater, which has announced yes. a one-week extension. December uh, we, 18th. Yes, December 18th. <laughs> That's I want to talk to you about that because uh, yeah. I know you saw it because I um, I've still got some holes in my schedule for next week, uh, which we'll get to. They also talked about the spinoff sequel to... Um, Death of a Salesman, Mrs. Loman playing at the tank, and much, much more. So listen to that in the podcast feed. Of course, if you want to hear all of these things before you can get them anywhere else, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Gracie, since the last time you were on the show, you have seen a ton of things. So throughout the episode, when we talk about the things that you have seen, I want you to chime in. And then at the end, if there's anything that we didn't cover that you have seen um, and that you are allowed to talk about because of openings, um, would you be willing to like chime in on your thoughts on those shows at the end if we don't hit them in the in the course of the regular show yep thanks Pat. <laughs> all right perfect so um one show that has opened that we have not talked about yet is the jefferson mays one man a uh, christmas carol that is currently playing at the niederlander theater it is playing through january 1st it opened um i guess last monday november 21st uh this of course stars jefferson mays playing every part in the show it was adapted from of course the charles dickens original by mays along with uh, susan Lyons and michael arden arden is also the director of the show somebody that gets a lot of credit in all of these reviews is lighting designer ben stanton Mm -hmm. and uh projection designer lucy mckinnon and a bunch of the other designers so we want to make sure that all of those people get uh their flowers because it is uh apparently a really fantastic mm-hmm. feast for the eyes we will have um the review roundups from both did they like it and broadway world in the show notes i'm not going to spend a lot of time on these because one by the time you're hearing this you've probably seen them if you care and two it's jefferson mays doing a christmas carol on broadway if you like that type of thing you are going to like this show. Did They Like It does have 12 reviews in their aggregation as of now, eight being positive, three being mixed, and one being negative. Let's start with the New York Times where Alexis Salaski wrote, quote, This carol is a breathless entertainment. Then she continues, Is breathing such a bad thing? It might have been nice to have had more respite to appreciate Maze's closed-fisted Scrooge, his liberal Cratchit, and sweet fan. So saying, Entertaining. But slow your horses a little bit. Brittany Samuel writing for Broadway News was negative, actually writing, quote, Truncation is the only alteration to Dickinson's tale here, which Mays both narrates and occupies. The result is a theatrically ambitious but utterly aimless offering of holiday bah humbaying. Um, however, Marilyn Stasio, writing for Variety, says uh, in her positive review, quote, The opening line always gives me chills, and never more so than in this one man, plus Spooky Spectre show, featuring that consummate artist of many voices and lightning quick changes, Jefferson Mays. Robert Hoffler from The Rap was also positive, writing, quote, No two actors could achieve what Mays, Stanton, the lighting designer, and Arden offer up here. The suddenly meek and frightened Scrooge bathed in warm candlelight one minute, the commanding and devouring Marley drenched in green stench only a second later. How can any Christmas carol ever top that kind of theatrical tour de force? So, like I said, Jefferson Mays is no stranger to doing A, one-man shows on Broadway, and B, doing shows in which he changes between a multitude of characters on Broadway. So if you have seen those things in the past, or if you love A Christmas Carol like Grace, you and I do, this is something that you will probably like. Grace, you have seen this show. What are your thoughts? 
it was, it's exact. I think that you wrapped it up perfectly. Like, I think that you consolidated what these people are saying that I also feel, which is that like, if you love Jefferson Mays, it's him. And if you love a Christmas yeah. Carol, it's him doing it. Yeah. So like, you know, you're, you're getting, um, and also like the theatricality of, I will say there was not a warning of like the shutter that starts the show as well as like some lighting effect stuff. So that's the only thing that I do want to call out is that like that, that might be challenging for people that have sensitivity to, um, oh, like you know, photo spectrum type of things. And also just like, you know, I, I don't go see jump scare movies. Um, Same. and so the, the start of the show, I went, Oh gosh, I'm, I will pee my pants at the Nederlander. Um, but <laughs> Probably not uh, yeah. the first time based on some of the shows that have been in that theater before. It's really so. not the first time. It's not the first time for the Nederlander and me. Um, no, Mr. Saturday Night Rest in Peace, which is available on Broadway HD. Um, but no, like, I think that uh, I think that they consolidated it well. And, and the thing is, is that like, look, there are a lot of Christmas Carol, Sherlock Carol. Like, there's so many iterations of this type of piece mm-hmm. that this one was a really great one. I don't recommend it for little, little ones because it might scare them. Uh, but as far as like the the transformation of the stage and the lighting and the sound and, and the way it all works with Jefferson's incredible artistry. It's, 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 it's not often where all of those things come together so beautifully and Arden has done that here. So um, I recommend it. I really, really do. It's a great time. And it's also next to Schnippers, uh, which is um, if you know, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's excellent. I've never been there, but I see what? it all the time. I just, I don't, I'm not a food person. You know, this great. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm not a food person. I don't drink. So like yeah. my, my, my fooding in New York is often reserved to like really cheap, things by myself or if I go to some something with somebody like I have gone with you it's like I let yeah. you pick whatever you want to go that's fine I'll find something I can there get a salad go. or something anywhere but yeah. um speaking of my New York trip uh, as you know Grace um <laughs> you texted me um on whatever day this was I guess it must have been was it Friday the 18th so it's been a while you said yeah. buy your tickets to this now and I think I said something to the effect of Already done, baby. Uh, yeah. Because as soon as I got the press release, I bought tickets and changed my flights and hotel for my upcoming New York trip because yeah. there is going to be a chess benefit concert on Broadway one night only happening on December 12th at the Broadhurst Theater. It will benefit the Entertainment Community Fund, formerly known as the Actors Fund. And one, I am never not here for a production of chess that when they announced the the schedule for the muni that's the show i told my aunt in st louis hey guess what i'm going to be in town after the fourth of july to see chess at the muni this happened a few days later and it is a star-studded cast like you would expect from an entertainment community fund broadway concert version of this show it will feature emmy winner darren chris as freddie trumper Tony winner uh, Lena Hall as Florence Vassy, Ramin Karamlu returning to the role of Anatoly mm. Sergeyevsky, which he played at the Kennedy Center a few years ago, and one of our favorites, uh, almost famous star Soleil Pfeiffer as Svetlana Sergeyevsky. And I mean, what just, I, I love this show, one, because the score is amazing, but also I love it because it is such a messy work that like getting <laughs> to see it on stage is just kind of like a an examination uh of of what to do and what not to do and then also how to like try to make it better over the years um this is going to be directed by michael mayer this is a show that 
has been we've talked about it like this show is a show that they want to bring to Broadway. Michael Mayer did the Kennedy Center production. We've talked about um, Sir Tim Rice talking recently about coming mm-hmm. to New York in order to like make changes and talk about this show coming to Broadway. You're suspect whether this is going to move. I've talked with a few people behind yeah. the scenes that are like, I mean, there's no concrete plans, but if this goes well, like they wouldn't mind moving this. Um assuming they can get people's schedules or a different group or whatever. Like this isn't the precursor to a Broadway run like that parade was, which still hasn't announced, but I'm undoubtedly will very soon. But like, this is something that's like one of those steps that if this is like just another thing towards potentially bringing chess to Broadway, if all of the T's are dotted and I's are crossed. Yeah. I mean, things like this are often, you know, tests, like you just said, Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're saying, okay, is there demand for this? Is there interest in this? Um, and same for like, sometimes what happens at Encore is like what we were talking about with the parade, you know, um, it's selling out so quickly it having an, you know, all those things are like, those are tests for investors and producers to say, like, is this worth doing? Is that, cause it's always a gamble, especially with chess. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's, that's the goal here. And, um, the way that the responses from the crowd and the audience and the way people talk about it, that, that's how they can get more people on board to say, hey, this is worthwhile. So um, anytime you do find something like this in your future that you're like, oh, um, I want to go see that, but it's maybe a little expensive or something like that. Like, just know that sometimes like, you know, if people aren't buying tickets, like that's how things don't get greenlit. <laughs> so yeah. um, if you're interested in it, go. Yeah. And I jumped on that, changed my entire plans, <laughs> and I will be at the Broadhurst seeing this show on December 12th. So thank you for that. Um, in other news that is kind of it, this is actually interesting to me. I have been open about my love for like Agatha Christie things and whodunits and mysteries. And on yeah. Friday, uh, producers announced that in honor of the 70th anniversary of the show running in the West End, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap will be coming to Broadway in 2023. They've not announced a dates B, a theater, or C, casting, although casting apparently is coming fairly soon from what the press release has said. But Kevin McCollum, the Tony-winning Broadway producer who has most recently brought six from the UK over to Broadway, and the UK's current uh, producer of the show, Adam Spiegel, are going to be bringing the show to New York for its Broadway premiere. The fact that this show has been running in the West End since 1952 and has yet to play Broadway is kind of interesting, um, but it will be playing here. I, I'm interested if they kind of follow the the way that they've done kind of some of these Kenneth Branagh, um, Agatha Christie, um, uh, Hercule Poirot movies recently and just go like try to go with as many stars as you can. Or if they try to be like, this is Agatha Christie. It's run in London for 70 years. You should come because the show's the star. I'm interested what they'll do here, but I will definitely be there when it does eventually open on Broadway, Grace. I mean, that sounds like you. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I passed by, I will say this because I was just in London, just to remind everyone. Um, when I was there, I passed by and I said, surely that's not the same production. And it totally is. Mm-hmm. I love that there's a lot of history in that. Um, I'm excited for that. Also, like you're such an Agatha Christie, like whodunit person. I recently watched Witness for the Prosecution. Have oh, you ever seen that? I have not. Matt, I need you to sit down and watch Witness for the Prosecution and then call me immediately because 
it is a perfect whodunit and it is a perfect film and okay. perfect play, I'm sure. Uh, so that's a recommendation for everyone thinking about The Mousetrap right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is also based on an Agatha Christie play, um, which is just actually was originally opened in 1953, a year after yeah. uh, The Mousetrap in London. So, yeah, absolutely. Marlena Dietrich, directed by uh, Billy Wilder, um, who also co-wrote the screenplay. Absolutely incredible. So Perfect. Uh, so great. Yeah. Um, all right. Real quick. We're going to run through what's going to be happening on the Broadway this week mm-hmm. on, I guess that would be Wednesday, November 30th. Two shows will be having their first Broadway previews. The first will be the collaboration, which was supposed to be earlier in the week, but had to cancel because of COVID stuff during their rehearsals. They pushed it back. This is playing at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, and it has an incredible cast of Paul Bettany, Jeremy Pope, Krista Rodriguez and Eric Jensen, because I'm going to be there so early in the run. Grace, this is one where I just bought a ticket because like I'm not going to miss this and I'm not going to get a press ticket that early in the run. So I bought a ticket to see the collaboration. So I'll be seeing that when I am in town. Another show that's going to be getting performances on November 30th is the Pulitzer Prize winner between Riverside and Crazy from Stephen Adley Geerges, directed by Austin Pendleton, happening at the Helen Hayes Theater. It will be led, as it was, off-Broadway by Stephen McKinley Henderson. Also in the company for Broadway is Liza Colon-Zayas, who is also one of the stars of the TV show uh, The Bear, which was one of the best shows of uh, of 2022 yes. and common making his Broadway debut. So I had a comp from um, second stage, not Manhattan theater club from second stage. I had a comp because they canceled my performance of take me out back in the spring. So I had a credit. And so I was able to get that uh, tickets to this through that. Um, and then on December 1st, which is Thursday, Ain't No Mo is going to be opening officially at the Belasco Theater, a show, Grace, that you um, have been open about you're, you're working on. You are championing this show, uh, written by Jordan E. Cooper, who also co-stars in the show. It had a tremendous run, a New York Critics, a New York Times Critics pick run at the Public Theater a few years ago, and I imagine that the reviews will be uh, equally wonderful there. So I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, when I'm also, in town Also, Jordan... Well. Jordan E. Cooper has been out for the past week with COVID. It was, it's been really unfortunate, but his understudy, uh, Nick, I believe has been getting also incredible reviews as oh, peaches. Awesome. So if you are fortunate right now and you're having to see, um, Nick not Alexander. Jordan E. Cooper, yeah. Nick Alexander, um, you are also still in for a very special treat. I've had some friends go over this past weekend and go, um, I've seen it multiple times and like, he's also just like incredible. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting because <laughs> having to open the show without, um, the, uh, playwright and performer, not um, ideal. in the show, n- not ideal. Uh, in this moment, but um, is a wonderful opportunity for another actor. So that's all I just wanted to throw in there. So there you go. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So the the last thing that I want to talk about this week is happening on December 4th will be the final day that the current Broadway cast of six will be in their roles, including some original stars, including Andrea McCassiette, Brittany Mack, and Samantha Polly. They will be exiting their roles of Anne Boleyn, Anna of Cleves, and Catherine Howard. Uh, Bree Jackson, Carrie Renee Fuller, and, and Brennan Lark will also be playing their final performances. They will be replaced by an incredible cast that I'm going to have to see at some point, including Nasia Thomas, who we raved about not only in Carolina or Change, but in that streaming version of the last five years that we loved. Zoe Jensen, who I saw in Hamilton uh, uh, in the National Tour, but also in um, We Are the Tigers, which is a show that I absolutely love. And then Taylor Mon Jones, which is one of my favorites um, uh, from Head Over Heels and so many other things. Um, They are all joining the cast. So I'm going to have to see this company of six at some point. 
yeah, we have to go now because now we've seen it separately. I just want to put that into the air. Let's like, do it. We have to I will go. sign up. I will sign up for the lottery when I'm in town. Yeah. And then if, if, oh, if we smart. get it, we should do that. Yeah. If we get it, then like I'll rearrange whatever else I'm doing because like I have to see this cast. Yeah, um, for sure. And also that you can see both members of the last five years cast from out of the box theatrics right now. Um, because uh, Nick, Nick, I believe, is yes. in Anne Juliet, who plays the king. Yeah. And Nasia is going to be in six. So they're both playing royalty and they're both. Oh, my God. The that's theater. good. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. There he's go. he's very good. Like he's just, I mean, more or less just an ensemble member in Anne Juliet. But like he's like you you look at him, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah like he's he's really good. No, I told him literally at the opening. I just want to say this on the carpet. I literally. Early said, hey, just so you know, like you in the last five years was like life changing. And he was just like, Whoa, oh, oh, thank you. Because <laughs> I was like, I know I'm bringing this up at a weird time, but like you're amazing in the show, but also like you're an incredible performer. Yeah. And he's I, I believe he's the understudy for uh, Paolo Zott, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. so who knows? You can get to see him go on uh, mm-hmm. in a bigger role at, at times as well. Um, okay, real quick, just um, a few other real quick things I'd want to mention. Um, Jinx Monsoon is going to be making her Broadway debut in Chicago for a limited run beginning on January 16th and running through March 12th. She will be playing uh, Matron Mama Morton. So if you are a RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag Race fan and, and or a Chicago fan, make sure you get tickets to see uh, Jinx in that role. And then something, Grace, that I have tickets to because you told me to get them um, really before it happened uh, is uh, coming to Joe's pub love the struggle uh with damon duano amber gray grace mclean and uh margot seibert um we've talked about it before want to throw it out there they've released some more information about that tickets are on sale you should probably get them i will be there say hi monday december 5th uh feel good recommendations all of the parade performances you can find them if you haven't seen them already you you can find them um also i don't know if you've even seen this grace i believe it happened on saturday night at the Music Man, as Hugh Jackman is wont to do, he did an auction oh, yeah. for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, and they did a live auction in the theater of one of the hats that he wore in the show, and it got into a bidding war, and it took a while for the person who was filming it to recognize what was going on, but the person continually bidding it up was fellow Aussie and I believe actually Hugh Jackman's co-star in the movie Australia. Australia. Yeah. Baz uh, Luhrmann's. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Nicole Kidman. She (laughs) eventually just said as it was going back, it was like at like $14,000, $15,000. She finally just said $100,000 and she paid $100,000 to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS uh, to have the opportunity to do that. Of course, a Broadway vet in her own right. And you love to see it. Uh, if she's in town, is she seeing the hours? That's all I want to know. Uh, the, is the she opera? going to see the hours at I the know, Met? And also, can I go, please? Yeah. But but yeah, <laughs> like I just I think that was so funny, and the fact that nobody has edited this yet to to her oh walking God. down the aisle saying, "We come to this place to laugh." Like, why aren't we? <laughs> Did you, you have not seen my uh, Instagram story about this apparently? Because no, I, I said something to the effect of heartbreak, aka paying a hundred thousand dollars to charity just feels good in a place like this. So yes, we are 100% here for Nicole Kidman and all of her ridiculous AMC promotions and also spending $100,000 for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So that's not Nashville Keith Urban money. I just want to say well, that. Well, uh, my <laughs> I sent it to my family and my dad responded, the price of Keith Urban tickets just went up by 10 bucks a piece. So yeah, we, we get it. Not that they're hurting for money. They're fine. No. Uh, okay, Grace, what other shows have you seen and we need to talk about? 
Okay. So a couple of things, one excited that you brought up love the struggle, because that is actually a benefit for Maestra. So if you want to also tell them what Maestra is, tell them what Maestra is. Maestra is an incredible organization, um, helping and aiding and and giving a platform to women and non-binary, non-gender conforming uh, musicians, uh, collaborators, orchestrators, conductors, composers, all of those things. Like when you see now a full orchestra of like women or gender non-conforming people, you can thank Maestra for that. Just an incredible organization. Uh, founded by Georgia Stitt. Um, you're familiar with her work as well. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like the way that the, uh, especially Mr. Saturday Night Pit was uh, conducted, you're like, oh, I can thank Georgia Stitt yeah. for this. So yeah. just because, and her husband there. is Jason Robert Brown, who wrote. Uh, he happens to be Jason yeah. Robert Brown. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's that, but I've seen so many shows that I haven't got to talk about on the show, which is, I, I apologize, um, because these shows have opened only gold closes like today. So I can't I <laughs> like, there's not a ton I can do for I'm that. I'm sad that it didn't I extend just, to be honest with you. I know. Oh, well, they are too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it should, it should have MCC. We love, we love, we love MCC so much. And they have done incredibly when you walked into theater and you're like, David Corrin's like, oh my God, threw up a, a gorgeous yes. set on this place. Like it, it's just, it's. It's phenomenal. I was literally there. It was like Bernie, Telsey, Lin-Manuel. Like, Bernie I is went to- always there. Let's be like Bernie He's is never there. not there. Yeah. Like every he's show I've there. ever seen is, is Bernie has been there. I mean, it's his theater, well, but he's, like he's the goat. But like seeing this like stacked audience members, it was like Heath Saunders behind me. Lin-Manuel was there. Like everybody was just like flocking to this show this week because they knew it was closing and um, they want to go support their people. Um, you want to talk about like dance, movement, visuals, um, everything that can kind of gorgeously work together. Um, in a piece, I was like, great. I saw a musical. It's been a second since I saw a fucking musical. Like mm-hmm. this was someone wrote an original idea, like the music, everything about it. The the physicality of every single dancer was utilized. Ryan Steele has moments. He is not mm-hmm. just like kicking his face like he, he normally can. He has moments. Um, He, he had like a gorgeous scene work and like an actor, a performer. Like it was really moving. I had to tell him I was like. I, I didn't know you could do this. And now I'm like, you have to do this all the time. Like you have been featured in a beautiful way. And like, you should always be doing this now. Right. Um, so anyways, I just want to say that it was, it was stunning. Um, last week I'm putting up a video because I finally got to see almost famous. You and I both know I've been oh talking God. about this for like years. Um, you wore I, your penny lane jacket too. Yeah. I wore my penny lane and someone's like, Oh, did you get that jacket for this? And I'm like, I've had this jacket since I was 10 years old because it was my penny lane <laughs> but jacket also, yes. that I had. But also, yes, but I had leather pieces put in it so that I could keep wearing it. That's how much I love this and this show and this property and all the things. Um, and and they gave me so many of my favorite moments. And I, I was crying at the beginning of it because there were such iconic lines that weren't meant to be like, hey, this is a line from the movie that you'll remember. No, they just wove it into the script. They wove it in because Cameron does that, right? So I knew that I'm like, oh, that's such an iconic moment from the movie. And then these two actors, Casey Likes, holy shit, Casey Likes. If you are not on the Casey Likes train, I don't know what you're doing because he he absolutely perfectly embodies that role. He is so perfect. He was It was charming and funny and nerdy and gorgeous voice. I was just like, why are we all not freaking out by now? Like he needs to be in the who's Tommy. He needs to be in everything. Like I'm obsessed with him. We actually got to see um, our good friend Van Hughes go on as mm-hmm. Jeff Beebe because uh, Drew Galing was out. So sad to not see Drew, but very happy because this was Van's, I think, first show. No rehearsal um, in that role. And he wow. he killed. I was like, dude, you need to like 
<laughs> record your own simple man. Like, uh, it was, it was, it was truly incredible. So I, I just want to say it was a really perfect pre Thanksgiving show. Um, only gold and, th- and almost famous to see back to back one day, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I was like, this is theater. I love this so much. So that's what I would say. Awesome. And then I was also um, invited to see David Kale's new show, Sandra. You know how I feel about solo shows. You know how I feel about David Kale. Um, it is now extended for uh, to December 18th for good reason, because he writes gripping stories that are told by solo performers so well. It is shocking. Like the fact that you can have chills running all over your body watching a single performer with like a, a gorgeous, like well lit, like single chair. It's like how does how does he do it? Like, I really want to know how does he do it? He just gives you this like kind of mundane circumstance in person. And all of a sudden they're thrown into this world and you're like, what are you doing? You're making poor, horrible decisions. <laughs> like, it's just it's really excellent work. Um, I was sitting in a theater full of I, I could tell the other critics that were there um, that were uh, there to write about the show. And I kept kind of like looking over to see, like, are you into this? Because I'm into this, you know, <laughs> and um, they were. So uh, it, it's a really excellent piece. And I'm I, I just continue to be obsessed with David Kale and what he brings to solo art form. And, yeah, I'm thrilled for this extension. So please continue to support not only um, solo work, but also the Vineyard Theater, because they're one of the few places that actually loves and respects artists to the point where I go, if I could work anywhere, like truly it's, it's an incredible space as far as nonprofit theaters go and artists and homes. I just, if you're going to do giving Tuesday, pick some of these nonprofit theaters that you love in New York city, especially, um, and all over, especially where you live. But I, I want to call out like vineyard. Wow. What a home, what a place. Awesome. Is that it? That's it. I think so. I mean, I was going to say Jefferson Maze is amazing, but we already kind of did that. We did that. All right, Grace, that is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms for now at It's Grace Aki. Oh, my God. It, uh, anyway. You know how we feel about the Twitter downfall. We found each other on Twitter. We did. What are we supposed to do? I know. I know. Um, thank you for listening. If you have any recommendations on where I can get a semi-cheap hotel in Midtown, because I'll tell you, December in New York, mm-hmm. it ain't easy. I, I I'm happy to have a hotel in uh, in Queens, but like, if you got a hookup, let me know. Uh, anyway, that's all we have. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.